Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. into it and uh, I'm going to be in uh, John chapter 20 verses 24 to 29 and uh, if you don't have your Bible we're going to have it on the screens as well and if you're taking notes the title of this message today is unless I see unless I see and it'll tie into what we're reading today a little context of what um what's happening the scripture in John, Jesus just rose from the grave. And so he's making appearances little by little to different people. And uh, last week he made an appearance to the disciples. They were having a meeting on Sunday and the doors were locked because they were scared of being killed by the government. So Jesus, because he's incredible and he's awesome, he goes through that door and literally says, what's up? I'm here. I'm back. And like freaks them all out. But they realize that Jesus is alive, that their mission is back on, like they're ready to go, their, their friend is alive, and they get to celebrate that fact. And now we pick up a week later, another Sunday goes by, and he meets the disciples again, but it's now from the perspective of Thomas. Our good friend Thomas says this, chapter, uh, chapter 20, verse 24, it says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples, when Jesus came. So, so Thomas missed on Sunday service last week. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Like he's alive. He's back. Thomas, you're not going to believe it. It's incredible. But he said to them, unless I see, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he says to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And I believe this is a message for all of us as we all go through doubt in our lives and can all feel like Thomas. I pray that today as we have one service, God will speak to us in this moment. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for one, our country that we get to do this so freely. We, we thank you. We know it's not perfect, but we know we are blessed because we live here. We just pray that you will continue to be with the leaders and everybody involved with our country that makes decisions. And us as Americans, as, as followers of Christ before we're Americans, that we would represent you first and represent you well, Jesus. We also pray for anybody here for the first time that doesn't know you, Jesus, that they would have an encounter with you here, whether they're watching online, whether they're here in person. We thank you for your presence, Jesus. And we know that today is about America, but I just want to say a little prayer for Colombia, Jesus, as they are now going to face Argentina in the Copa America. I just pray that you would make Messi have the worst game of his life, Jesus. And let me pray. Amen. 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 I was watching the, my wife and her family's Colombian 
and we were watching the game uh, last night at this Colombian restaurant, and it was it, it was insanity. Like they were doing the Colombian national anthem. I'm Cuban, and I was saying it too. I was like, I don't even know the words, but we're gonna go for it. It's amazing. I want to tell you a story about this man named William Randolph Hearst. If you never heard of him, don't worry. I had to look up who he was just for this illustration. But he was a great publisher in the 1900s. He was known for having the most popular and powerful news and media outlet. The the company was called the Hearst Corporation. And one day, Mr. Hearst was reading the newspaper and saw that there was a painting for sale that he greatly desired. He wanted to get his hand on this painting. He wanted to add it to his collection. He had to have it. So he had people that worked for him look for it all over the place. But sadly, it was nowhere to be found. They couldn't find it. Wherever they looked, it was impossible. So a year goes by. Mr. Hurts can't find this painting. Nobody that works for him can find it. But a year goes by, an employee comes up to Mr. Hurts and says, Hey, Mr. Hurts, we have found the painting. And William Hurst, being excited, greatly full of anticipation, says, oh my gosh, this painting that I've always wanted, like, tell me where it is, where has this painting been, where can I buy it, I'm ready to add it to my collection. The employee looks at William Hurst and he says, it's been in your basement this whole time. You've owned it since you took over this company. What's crazy is that Mr. Hurst never read his ledger of all the things that he owned, He did not understand the wealth he already possessed. And when it comes to our lives, church, I think many of us operate never fully understanding the blessing that is available to us in Christ. That every day, sometimes if we could be real, we miss out on opportunities to be in God's presence, to accept relationship that God wants to use to bless us, to accept the peace he wants for us, to live a fully blessed life in God. Because I I think in reality, we don't truly believe we're blessed. I think we don't fully understand we're blessed and we can't fully accept that we're blessed because we don't, deep down inside, we don't really believe that we're blessed. And I think what we deal with and what kind of creeps into our soul and to our minds here in society and when hard things start to happen is this thing that we all struggle with called doubt. We're not blessed because how can I be blessed, God, when I look at my life all around me? The last thing I see is that I'm blessed. Financially, I'm a mess. My marriage is on the fringe of divorce. How can I say I'm blessed? My kids want nothing to with me, they don't even want to come to church. It's 4th of July. I thought they would want to come and be with family, but not even that would work. How am I blessed? And we start to doubt if Jesus is really for us and is he really on our side. We look at everything happening around us, whether it's society, whether it's politics, whether it's personal, and we doubt if God is really good. Doubt. Doubt starts to be a cancer in our spirit that spreads to our relationship with Jesus. And if it's not checked, we are in trouble. Look at Thomas, because doubt is a part of our life. It's part of our spiritual journey. It's, it's normal. We're going to have doubts. It's going to be like, heads up, it's gonna, you're going to be in moments of doubt. That's okay. Thomas was a believer, was a follower of Jesus, was it a, like he spent time with physical Jesus. He saw Jesus do incredible things. He spent time under Jesus' teachings. He had, he had the front row seats into the life of Jesus, but yet even he doubted. 
And there's something I want you to look at when it comes to the life of Thomas. Thomas, his name in Aramaic means twin. Didymus, the name that he's also given here in the Bible in Greek means twin. Now scholars don't know if Thomas really had a twin or not, so it begs the question, who is the twin of Thomas? If I had to guess, I would say the twin of Thomas is you and it's me. That all of us at one point in our lives or maybe today in this service right now have said statements like, unless I see, then I'll worship. Unless I see, then I'll pray. Unless I see God do something in my life, then I'll decide to join Dream Team. Unless I see, I won't do anything. I won't make a move. I won't pray. I won't go after everything. I'll miss all the opportunities until I see God. And until I see God, I won't believe. Thomas is the twin of you and and the twin of me because we all can have moments like this where we're like, God, I'm not worshiping today because I need to see you heal my son. God, I'm I'm not going to join Dream Team because I haven't seen you provide for me financially. Unless I see, I won't believe. That's the danger of doubt. And the problem with this is that doubt, it comes from different areas in our life. Areas that can happen any day, any month, any moment. And we have to be careful that if we don't understand where it's coming from, we may be in jeopardy of losing our relationship with Jesus. One of the things I feel like doubt comes from is personal failure. Look at Thomas. Thomas, in reality, yes, his nickname is Doubting Thomas, but he actually was a very courageous and loyal person. Because look back at when Jesus went to go heal uh, Lazarus, the disciples were like, hey, you can't go to Bethany, Jesus, because you're a wanted man, and they may kill you, and you may be in trouble. Thomas was the one that says, let us go that, maybe, that, way, that we may die with him. Like, let's go. Like, if we're going to heal, like, I'm with you, Jesus. Let's go. I don't, it doesn't matter if we die. Let's go. He stood up. He was courageous. He was loyal. He's like, Jesus, I'm going with you. But what happens when Jesus gets arrested and goes on the cross? Thomas, just like the other disciples, they deserted Jesus. They fled. They, they vanished. And imagine feeling like Thomas where you abandoned your best friend and let him die. And you have to sit with that, that failure. I failed my friend. So what happens, doubt creeps in and says, will I ever be forgiven for this mess up? Will I, will I ever recover from this? I doubt God will ever love me again because of what I've done. Personal failure can make us doubt that God can ever heal us, that God can ever change our story, that God can ever redeem us. We doubt because of our personal failure. Maybe we doubt because of lack of understanding. Jesus to Thomas and the disciples all throughout scripture told them the plan that was going to happen. Like, hey, I'm going to die and then I'm going to resurrect and then I'm going to go be my father. But the, but the disciples, they didn't really understand. They didn't know how it was going to look really like, okay, he's going to die, but how's he going to die? Like they, they didn't have a full understanding. I think what happens in our life, because when God does something that we don't agree with, or God does something that we don't like, because we have a lack of understanding of what the Bible says, who God is, we get mad at God when we should be blessed by what he's doing. And because we have a lack of understanding, we doubt that he actually loves us because we don't really know God, right? I don't, I, I, do I know the ways of God? Do I, do I know the reasons God would might, might be doing something in my life? And because I have a lack of understanding, I doubt that he loves me when in reality, he might be doing something that's actually trying to bless you. We just don't know it yet. Maybe it's deep disappointment. Thomas, he, he saw Jesus. He, Jesus died on the cross and it was horrific. It was, it was, it was brutal. It was painful, but 
but he knew, but, but I don't think he knew it would be like that. That disappointment of Jesus, you, you said you were gonna die, but, but was it, did it have to be so, so painful to watch? It had to be so painful. Did, did it have to be like this? I thought it was gonna be another way. I thought it was gonna look another way. I thought it was gonna be some sort, like I didn't picture it like this. Doubt can creep in our lives when we think God's supposed to do something one way and he doesn't. Or when we see somebody in our life suffering when you feel like they shouldn't be suffering and you're like, God, why is it happening like this? Like, God, why are you doing it like this? Why is this happening to me? This person didn't deserve to go through what they're going, why? And you have deep disappointment of how God does things in your life. Last is isolation. Think about personal failure. Think about deep disappointment. Think about lack of understanding. All these things all together can accumulate and cause you to isolate and say, I, I, I can't be around anybody right now. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I could go to church today. I don't know if I can be around my connect group today because I'm going through so many things and I doubt they even care about me. And so what do you do? You isolate, you unplug yourself from community and leave yourself to your own thoughts that's filled with doubt and unbelief and uncertainty that only, that only festers in your mind. Personal failure, lack of understanding, deep disappointment, isolation. All these things are real things we're gonna struggle with. It's gonna cause doubt to come into our lives. But the problem with this, what scares me about doubt, because in reality, if we could be real, we talk about doubt here at church a lot. Doubt necessarily isn't a sin, but, but it can cause you to go down a path that may lead you to sin. Like, I'll give you an example. What, what I mean is this, is that doubt isn't supposed to be our destination. It's supposed to be a checkpoint in our life. Meaning, when you first get saved for Jesus, you're like, Come on, you're on fire. You buy every Christian book. You don't listen to rap music no more. You listen to Toby Mac on repeat. Like, you're ready to go. Like, that's, uh, that's, that's what you do. You're on fire. You're pumped. Like, it's amazing. Like, I can't, I, this is awesome. What a decision I've made. But we can't stay in that baby phase forever. So, so God will allow things to happen in your life to mature you, to deepen your faith. And sometimes we, quote, unquote, call these desert seasons. God, I can't hear you. God, where are you? God, God, why have you abandoned me? And what happens is right there, doubt starts to creep in. And that's a checkpoint. That's a point of like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm dealing with some doubt. So what do I need to do? I need to get back into my word. Oh, what, what do I need to do? I need to get in my connect group. I need to make sure that these, these thoughts are checked and they're filtered through godly people. Doubt isn't an excuse to, to go further into unbelief with Jesus. No, it's saying, hey, I love Jesus. I have some doubt, but I got to make sure I get this checkpoint in, in place to help me out. So doubt isn't a place that you belong. It's just a checkpoint to see how, how you're growing spiritually in life. Because we're all going to doubt. It's going to happen. But, but it's not your destination. So here's the thing. This is why I'm scared of when we struggle with doubt, especially if we don't know how to handle it. Is that doubt unchecked leads to unbelief. And unbelief is a sin. Unbelief is a sin. I believe, and unless I see faith, leads to an unbelieving future. That if we have the mindset of Thomas and everything that we say and do is unless I see, unless I see, unless I see, you're going to say unless I see so much that you're just going to not believe at all. Because that's not how God works. And so you have an unbelieving future, meaning that you don't see the miracles of God anymore. You don't see the great things of God anymore. And in reality, you've, you've strayed away from God. Look what it says in Hebrews 13, uh, 3, 12. It says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you 
has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Unbelief. And I'm not talking about atheism. I'm not talking about believing in another religion. I'm saying that you know Jesus. You love Jesus. But things have happened in your life that have caused you to say, I can no longer believe because I haven't seen. There's a quote I want to share from Louis Palau. Maybe this is how we think today. Have you stopped seeing great things happen in your life? Perhaps you have stopped believing that God can work in a mighty way, even in our generation. Have you stopped seeing great things happen in your life? Can you recollect the last great thing that God did for you or, you, or miracle that you saw or blessing that you enjoyed or received? I really felt this last night. I was in bed going over the message. I felt like there's people here today, right now, that you are struggling with unbelief. Even as I was worshiping, I just felt it so much reaffirmed in my heart. I feel like that verse in Hebrews, that you have turned away from God. You feel like life has beat you up. You feel like life is throwing you all over the place. And the last thing you feel is blessed. And you've thrown in the towel and you said, I'm done with Jesus. I was good for a couple of years, but I can't. I was good for a couple months, but I can't no more, Phil. But the good news is that today God wants to tell you that you can see him see great, do great things again today. Listen, listen, this is important. This, this story I'm going to share with you from the Bible will give you a perspective how we are supposed to live our life when we're dealing with doubt and on the verge of unbelief. It's the story of the centurion soldier. He's a man that's a great man of integrity. His servant is sick. The servant that he loves, that he cares for, it's literally part of his family, is sick. And he sends messengers to Jesus because Jesus is in Capernaum where the centurion soldier lives. And he says, Jesus, the messengers are talking. They met Jesus. They go, hey, the soldier, he sends a message from, from him to you saying, can you heal his sick servant that he loves, that he cares for? So Jesus, being the awesome savior that he is, says, hey, let's go to his house. We're going to save this guy. We're going to heal this guy. As Jesus starts to head towards the house, more messengers come and they say, hold on, hold on, Jesus, there's another message from the centurion. And he feels unworthy for you to come to his house because you are so great. That, 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 he, should, you don't, that he doesn't deserve for you, Jesus, the Messiah, to step foot in his household. The centurion was humbly being just, God, I, 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 I shouldn't even deserve this opportunity. You could be helping so many people. Who am I to deserve this honor? And then the centurion says something else that we all need to see. It's Luke 7, verse 7, he says this. That is why I, the centurion, did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But Jesus, say the word and my servant will be healed. Say the word and he'll be healed. I believe, Jesus, that you don't even have to come to my house for my servant to be sealed. That you don't even have to set foot in my office, in my room for him to be healed. Just say the word. And he'll be healed. Look what happens in verse 10. Then the men who had been sent to Jesus returned to the house and found the servant well. Here's what you need to know. The world will tell you that seeing is believing, but faith is believing and then seeing. And so in life, you can believe again that God can save your marriage. You can believe that your kids will come to church. You can believe that your finances will be set free in Jesus' name. You can believe that you will be healed. It's not seeing and then believing. It's believing that Jesus can do it like the time that you raised your hand when you got saved and he saved your soul. Go back to the heart of worship and believe before you see because if you just wait to see you may never see God do a great thing 
The centurion said, God, you just say the word. And I believe that you will heal him. But some of us are waiting and waiting and waiting to, for him to do something then we can believe. And if we do that, our life will be led to an unbelieving future. And little by little, we won't even notice it because it'll be so, so subtle. We find ourselves less passionate about Jesus, less passionate about doing God's work and, and, and speaking to our family about Jesus, speaking to our friends and our coworkers about Jesus, living a godly lifestyle. We'll be less passionate because we're waiting on something that may never come because it's not how we're supposed to live our relationship with Jesus. And so doubt turns into unbelief and unbelief leads to a shaky and rocky future. Today you're struggling, believe and then see. Faith to believe and then see that God can do something amazing in your life. How do we know we're on the path to unbelief? What does it look like? Well, in the scriptures here, looking at what Thomas is going through, I believe there's so many signs that we all can look at and be like, man, this is me. This is what I'm going through. I'm going towards that path. I need to repent and turn around and get back on track with Jesus. And the first sign is this, is that the first thing that happened when Jesus came back, Thomas missed out on the Sunday service. He disappeared. See, doubt makes you disappear. And what I mean is when you start to doubt your friends, if they really care about you, if you doubt your family, if they're really for you, if you doubt the church, if the church is doing everything it's supposed to be doing, like, where's this money going? Like, like what, where's Pastor Alex? Like, what, what's happening? Like, we start to doubt all these things. And what doubt makes you do, it fills unrealistic stories in your mind. And you doubt what the reality is. And so you disappear. And you go, well, you know what? I don't really know about this church. I have some doubts about this church. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit out for a little bit until I, I feel ready to come back. You know, I don't know about this friend group right here. They, they've been acting a little shady. I don't know. I kind of doubt. Do they really care about me? Let, me? let me distance myself from the community. And doubt makes you disappear. What happened to Thomas? He wasn't there. Now, the Bible, it doesn't criticize Thomas for missing. But it doesn't change the fact that he still missed. That, that he didn't receive the blessing of those that were present. Thomas wasn't there to get the new mission. Thomas wasn't there to see Jesus in the flesh. Thomas wasn't there to have the peace on, like Thomas missed out. Don't know what Thomas was doing, but he wasn't there. He missed out on being a part. So think about this. He missed out on the Sunday meeting. So a whole week, he doesn't know that Jesus is back. He hasn't heard the good news. He's by himself in isolation. He has no good news to hear. He's been living in doubt and unbelief when he could have been having joy and peace. And a lot of us, we disappear from life expecting that's going to actually help us, but we live with doubt and unbelief, and it's going to be harder to get out of that week of doubt and unbelief than it is to just enjoy community, be around people, be around the right people, and even if we have doubts, share it with people. I think a lot of us, we would have so much problems and stress and anxiety lifted off of us if we open our mouths to the right people that doubt makes you just disappear and say i can't be around these people because i have all these false what ifs in my head but what if you got a community and say hey i'm doubting some things can we talk about it let's talk about it let's work through it don't have to think anymore let's get down to the reality of what you're going through and what you're thinking and let's work through this together thomas wasn't there for that he disappeared. 
And so what does that make Thomas? Thomas, is, Thomas becomes a good reminder not to miss church. Thomas becomes a good reminder not to miss connect group. Thomas becomes a good reminder to not put off on holding that call, talking to your mom, talking to your dad, reaching out to your son, reaching out to your daughter, reaching out to a friend because you are dealing with things that need to be talked about. Look what it says in Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. It says this, if we put it up, let us consider how we, we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing habit like it's a thing that we do it's a habit it it becomes part of our life but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching don't give up on meeting together no matter how bad you are struggling no matter how bad you are in pain get together with people you are in your dna not meant to be alone so when you go against how the god the creator created you to be you will not find satisfaction it'll just feed into your doubt and make you so far gone you won't even know who you are anymore don't be like thomas let's meet together let's do this together What's so crazy to me is that God created us to be a community, but yet it's so easy to fight against that. That in our mind, we believe the lie that we are better off our, just, I need some space, right? I just need some space. And that's okay, maybe you need space for a day, but not a week, not a month, and not a year. Because by that time, you won't even know what to do anymore. Thomas disappeared, what else happened? What else was a sign of, of unbelief? He demanded. He demanded. Here is Thomas being told by reliable eyewitness people, his friends, like, hey, Jesus is back. John, the author, wrote the gospel of John from a news reporter standpoint. He wanted to make sure he interviewed everybody that was around the cross, everybody that was around, so you and I can believe. Like, these are reliable eyewitness people. They were there, Thomas. Like, 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 I thought we were boys, Tommy. Like, what do you mean you don't believe us? Instead of believing reliable friends and witnesses, he makes demands. Thomas makes demands of what Jesus should do for him. Oh, well, I can't believe until Jesus does this, this, and this. If I could check these boxes, then I'll believe. I demand that from Jesus. And I look at Thomas' story, and that could be us so many times. We demand and we demand and we demand. Who are we to demand anything? Who am I that I should demand anything from Jesus? Jesus is not saying, come to me, all who are weary. Yes, he's saying that. Come to me, come find rest. Uh, the, 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 The gates of heaven are open to us. Yes, come to me. But what is demanding Jesus for anything? When have we saved ourselves? When have we ever become so good and so righteous that we can step to the throne of heaven and demand anything from Jesus? And here's Thomas saying, I won't believe it until Jesus does this. Until then, I guess we'll figure out what my life is going to be like going forward. Being demanding will always get in the way of accepting the blessing God has for you. We block our own blessings sometimes. Like, like by how we demand for things and we do it opposite of how God wants us to come to things, God's like, I, I can't give you that blessing. 
That's not how this works. This is not, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a Craigslist genie that I just use a man thinks from me and we get, well, I'm gonna ship it to you in two days like Prime. Like that's not how this works. I believe when we demand, we set ourselves up for false hope and expectation. When we demand for a voice, a vision, or a revelation to prove our faith, we remove the blessing from our life. When we demand for some special circumstance to prove our faith, we ruin the blessing in our life. When we demand for some ecstatic experience on a Sunday or a Friday or whatever, we diminish the faith and the blessing that God wants to give us. When we demand for an answer to every difficult question or objection, we diminish the blessing that God wants to give us. Notice, if I replace demand with humbly request and pray, it's a different story. It's a different story. But when we demand, it means that we doubt because we're, we're in a posture of, I don't know if God's going to do it, so I'm going to demand it. And what we do is we trade a, a relationship with Jesus like a friend to now he's a boss and we demand a raise from him every once in a while. It's a sign of doubt. Last and final one in the band can come up. We demean. What do you mean demean, Phil? What, what, what do you mean demean? We demean the power of the gospel when we doubt. Here's Thomas, follower of Jesus, believer of Jesus. He saw him do amazing things. But yet here's, here he is at the verge of the greatest news ever. And he demeans the death of Christ like it's something that has to be proven to him. That it's, that, that, that Jesus being alive is not good enough news that now he needs extra steps. He needs extra evidence. He needs extra stuff to believe in. When the power of the gospel is literally just believing in his resurrection, believing that Jesus died, Christ died from the grave. So many of us made that decision, not needing any evidence. We just felt in our heart, that's what we were supposed to do. But sometimes we can get like Thomas and be like, yeah, you know what? I know I was saved one day, but I need more from Jesus. I need more from him. I, I, I need Jesus to come through a little bit more because yeah, he saved me, but that's not good enough anymore. I've known Jesus now for 10 years and 10 years has been a long time and I can't, the, the, the power of salvation is no longer enough gasoline to get me going in life. I need more. And what do we do? We demean the power of the gospel for something that, for, for what? for more blessings, for more peace. Yeah, we're, God wants to give us that, but why don't we start by saying, God, thank you for dying on the cross for me, for taking away my sins that was gonna lead me to hell, and now I have an eternity in heaven, and here on earth, as I wait my time to go to heaven, I have a purpose. The purpose I was created and born for, now you have given it to me because of your death on the cross. I don't need anything else. So don't be like Thomas and we demand and we demean just because of what we want to feel good about ourselves every once in a while. No, all you need to do is remind yourself of when you were in this church and you were on your knees and you were on the last breath of hope in your life and somebody gave you an opportunity to accept Jesus and you raised your hand and that was enough for you. It was enough for me. But we can't get to the point where the cross becomes so mundane and there's no more power in it. Let the story of Thomas be this lesson is that if you doubt, all the assurance you need is the wounds of Jesus. That's all I need is the wounds of Jesus, that Jesus, he died for me. I don't need any other evidence. I just know in my heart it's true. I've tried everything this world has to offer and nothing made me happy. 
And I didn't need evidence. I didn't need to read a bunch of books. I just needed to know that Jesus loved me and he died for me. I don't need to demand. I don't need to demean. I don't need to disappear. All I want to do is be with Jesus. But doubt and unbelief will will steal that from you. It'll steal it right from under you and you won't even know it. And you'll blame other people. You'll blame people around you when in reality it's, it's you. It's me. But if we could say, no, I'm, I'm doubting today, but I'm going to make a decision to make it a checkpoint that gets better. That, I, that, I, that I, I'm dealing with unbelief, but I'm going to repent and turn away and come back to Jesus, come back to the cross, come back to the resurrection. That's all the evidence that we need. And if we can do that, then no matter what comes our way, because we got through this storm, the next storm won't even phase us. So why don't we stand up to our feet as we wrap up service? And uh, we got one service today, so I I don't want to rush this moment too fast, but I do want to pray for a couple people. You know, in a room like this, I don't know, you know, it's 4th of July service. I don't know what you were expecting, what kind of message, but I I just felt this in my heart since last week that that there was people struggling with unbelief, that you have literally turned away from Jesus. You once knew him, you once loved him, you once believed in him, you once saw great things. But those things have become a blur and you no longer see him. And you're going opposite as fast as you can from Jesus. Started with doubt, turned into unbelief, and now your relationship with Jesus is tarnished. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you today, you're saying, Phil, that's me. I'm struggling. I'm struggling with unbelief. I'm struggling, Phil. I, I, I'm trying to break free from it, but it's hard. I'm, 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 I feel like I'm by myself in this struggle. But I want to turn back. I want to, I want to see great things in my life once again. I believe that God can do amazing things, not just in the Bible generation, but in my generation here today. If you want to repent, you want to turn back to Jesus. You want to know that the 4th of July, you were free from unbelief and that you now can run back to Jesus. Today can be your day. I want you to know something that Jesus, all throughout the gospel of John, he defeated death. He defeated sin. He defeated demons. He defeated, he defeated all the sickness and ailments. The last miracle in the book of John was him defeating unbelief. And that was there for a reason. Because he knows how hard it can grip the souls of men. Today, you can be free from that. You can get in community. You can love the cross and you can love the resurrection once again. Great things are for you. But you have to believe first and then you'll see. May not happen this week, may not happen next month, but it'll happen because Jesus loves you because he died on the cross for you and let that be evidence enough to keep going forward so if that's you you're struggling with unbelief I just want to pray for you nobody looking around and everybody's there's a moment of privacy but if you can be real in church this morning if we can all just get a little uncomfortable and say you know what that's me I want to get some prayer let's do it let's let's pray for each other so if that's you on the count of three you lift up your hand one two three you lift up your hand Thank you so much. I see you. I see you. Jesus, you see all these hands up. See all these hands up. 
And I pray that as they lift up their hands, they would make a, a decision, Jesus, before you to come back to you. No matter how far they have strayed, no matter how far they have gone away from you, every single person is always one step from turning back to you, Jesus. Nobody's, nobody's ever too far gone for you, Jesus, that you can't reach them. And I pray that today in this service, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, you would just speak love and grace and favor over their lives. That no matter how it looks, that they would find a way to get back to you, whether it's joining a connect group, whether it's coming back next Sunday, whether it's talking on the phone with somebody they trust. But at least today would be the day they make a decision to go after you, Jesus. You love them. You care about them. You are for them. You died for them, Jesus. And I pray that today they would see the power of the cross once again as, as they saw when they first made a decision after you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, help them heal their hearts of doubt, of unbelief, whatever in their life they're struggling with. In the name of Jesus, you would heal it. Help all of us with unbelief or doubt, Lord Jesus. As, as society gets harder and harder to deal with, there's so much temptation to doubt. There's so much temptation to go into unbelief. Protect our souls, Jesus, from the schemes of the enemy, Jesus. Protect your church, protect your pastors, protect your, your, your disciples, Jesus. As we go out into the world proclaiming your gospel, Jesus, that we will never look down on your gospel, that the gospel is the greatest news ever to mankind. Help us to never forget that, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to pray for another group of people as we wrap up service. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes one last time, and I appreciate you being patient. This, um, this, this is for people that don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't know him. You don't, you've never considered yourself to be a Christian. You, you're in this church by mere miracle. Maybe in life you've wanted nothing to do with God. You've heard about God. You've heard about coming to church, but you've just been running away, and you've wanted nothing to do with him. You've never made a decision to make him your Lord and your Savior and to rule over your life, to surrender your life to him. You see, the beauty of Christianity, the beauty of the gospel is the story that it tells of Jesus and us. That this thing called sin that, that destroys us entered the world and we are born into this world. We are born sinners. Every single one of us, you and me, are sinners in need of a Savior because we cannot save ourselves, church. We can be the greatest human beings on planet earth. We can give to all the charities we want. We can, we can do all the good things that society tells us to do. But we cannot buy or work our way into heaven. Jesus, because he knew the power of sin and what it did to our lives. He knew that we could not defeat it on our own. So Jesus, because he loves you so much. He stepped out of heaven, came down to earth, was born as a baby, grew up to be a man. And the mission of this man, Jesus, was to go on that cross to make sure that sin never affects your life again. But in order for sin not to affect your life anymore, he had to pay the ultimate sacrifice that was meant for us. And Jesus says, I'm going to take your spot on the cross and I'm going to replace myself and put myself there. So Jesus on that cross, he gave himself up. He was innocent, he was perfect, he was God in human form. No one took his life, no one, no one captured his life. He gave his life for us. 
Jesus died on that cross. He was dead for three days, but our Bible tells us that Jesus rose from that grave and he's alive today. And we believe that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that he rose from the grave, we will be saved. Saved from what? Our sin. And when you're saved from your sin, your life now begins. And you can start brand new today. You want a, you want a brand new beginning in, in Jesus? You want a refresher? You want a, a reset button for your life? Accepting Jesus is the greatest thing you can do. Changes your life changes your eternity and day by day you got to see that it's the greatest decision you ever made so if that's you you want to accept Jesus for the first time we just want to pray for you I'm going to ask you in the count of three lift up your hands I'm not going to put a mic in your face I'm not going to embarrass you I just want to see what I'm praying for that's all you can put it right back down but if you want to accept Jesus for the very first time you want to have your sins forgiven on the count of three you lift up your hands one two three you lift up your hands God bless you. I see you in the back. Awesome. Anybody else? You lift up your hands. Amazing. For those of you who raised your hands, I want to leave you in this prayer. And as a church, we always say this prayer. It's, uh, it's just helping you make this moment a completion into what you, what you decided. You're saying, I'm, I'm going all in on Jesus. This prayer is you talking to him. It's a repeat after me prayer, and it goes like this. And church, let's say it loud. Let's say it strong for those that made this decision, and we support them as they did it. It goes like this. Lord Jesus, I open my heart. invite you inside to be my friend, to be my Savior, to be my God. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. From this day forward, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, I thank you. And I love you. And all the church said, amen. Come on, can we give them a round of applause, church? Everybody that made that decision, we're so proud of you. Really believe that um, it's the greatest decision you ever make. That your life will never be the same from this point on. Yeah, you're going to have trials. Yeah, you're going to have storms. But you now have Jesus alongside of you to help you on that journey. But most important, that you are forgiven of your sins and you will no longer have to stress and to worry about where you're going to spend eternity. That now eternity is secure in Jesus and the decision that you made. And so we're so proud of you. And here's what we want to do. We want to help you on that journey. We know it can be filled with a lot of questions. And you're like, man, what, what did I just do? What, what, what is happening right now? We understand that as a church, we want to help you answer any questions, anything that is on your mind when it comes to this decision. So we have this free Bible for you. It's a, um, <laughs> it's in Spanish. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Como encontrar a Dios. Nuevo Testamento. Awesome. But it's a free Bible. <laughs> we have an English one for you. Don't worry. <laughs> but we have a free Bible for you. I promise it's free. It's not like we're not going to send you a check or a, 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 something in the mail like, hey, you owe us five bucks. Like, no, it's free. It's a gift from us to you. And that's possible by everybody that gives every single Sunday. Your tithes and offerings make this happen. So thank you for that. And so we have a free Bible for you. So outside of service, I know you're in a hurry. I know the barbecue, the grill's probably going. But before you're going, we have amazing Dream Team members that want to bless you and uh, speak to you and help you in any way we can. So church, we love you. We're so grateful that we get to have these services every Sunday. And I just pray that if you're dealing with doubt, you're dealing with unbelief, hey, let's do this together. Isolation is from the devil. It's not from God. We need each other. 
Come on, society's going down a direction that's pretty scary. And if we can look around the room and say, man, I know he's got my back. I know she's got my back. I know we got each other's back. We can face anything that happens. And so I pray that your week would be incredible. I pray that your 4th of July would be fruitful, that you would just enjoy time with family, you would enjoy time with friendship, and that you would represent Jesus well wherever you are. Amen? Hey, so we're going to celebrate uh, one more song, but why don't we pray for our week and pray for the rest of our time. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you that you speak, you're still moving, that you're for us. I just pray, Jesus, that you would help us all when we deal with doubt and unbelief. Keep us safe as we go through 4th of July. Keep us safe wherever we go and help us have a good time. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Say we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church.